So we're going to look at uh, base, our base passage is the passage that uh, Dad read in Hebrews chapter 6. But to begin with, if you're visiting with us, I am not the normal preacher. That'll probably be pretty evident here shortly. Um, we have this opportunity, the elders give the opportunity to the men each month to present from God's word. Um, we're fortunate here. We have a lot of men who um, both are able and interested in presenting from God's word in the pulpit, which means you've got to be pretty quick on the trigger to get your name on the list each year. Uh, and for the last few years, I have not been very quick on the trigger. So this is the first time in several years that I've been able to present a lesson. Um, the reason I mentioned that was thinking back through the last time I presented the lesson um, if I'm not mistaken, there was nobody in the audience. That doesn't mean that I was that bad. It was during COVID, and so it was just me and David Creech here, and I can't remember whether it was streamed or whether it was live. And again, I mention that because when we think about all that we've gone through over the last few years, you think about what we dealt with with COVID and the isolation. You think about some of the individuals we lost as a result of that. You think about what we've dealt with since then um, with the wars that we see going on, with, with the anger and the animosity that we see in our society today. You think about... Um, the political unrest that's happened in this country. Uh, you think about normal stuff that's gone on, um, loss of loved ones and illness. I say all this to say life is difficult. And in this life, you hear and read articles about um, depression increasing and mental illness. And, and there's a lot of reasons for that. And I'm not gonna get into the details to, for all of that. But I think one of the reasons for a lot of the, the, the depression and the, the disappointment in life and the anger with life is because people are putting hope in the wrong things. They're putting hope in the things of this world. They're hope, putting hope and relying on everything they see around them. And if you did that, if I did that, it would be pretty depressing. It would be pretty hopeless. It would be pretty um, desperate as far as what our outlook on life would be. But we as Christians, we have hope. We have a different hope. And hopefully that is a hope that, that will allow us to bear through the difficulties that we face in this life. Let's turn over real quick to Hebrews chapter 6 and read again verses 19 and 20. Hebrews 6, verses 19 and 20. This hope we have is an anchor of the soul, a hope both sure and steadfast, and one which enters within the veil, where Jesus has entered as a forerunner for us, having become a high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. So that, that hope that we have is an anchor for the soul. And we've, we sing the song uh, that alludes to this or that points to this scripture. And so what is an anchor? What does an anchor do? I've got two anchors up on the screen, but an anchor, the one that we saw before that we're probably most familiar with, an anchor holds a ship in place. It keeps a ship, ship from drifting. It keeps it secure. It keeps it safe. Keeps it maybe from crashing into the, the rocks on the shoreline. This other anchor that you see, you might not be as familiar with unless you are a rock climber. That's an anchor that's, that's attached to a rock or a boulder and secures a climber in place as they climb up a rock. 
It's interesting, I'd already prepared this lesson before we traveled, but um, had heard, gotten some information as we were traveling, this red stone or red mountain on the, the right of, I guess the left of the screen for, for you guys, is in, Mount Z in, in Zion National Park where we were just at on Friday. It's called Moonlight Buttress and it's 1,200 feet, which is kind of hard for me to get my head around, but that's about the height of the Empire State Building, 100, 110 stories high. And the reason I mention that is going back to this anchor that's on the side here. It's a, a mountain climbing, a rock climbing anchor. There's an individual by the name of Alex Honold, I believe is how you pronounce his name. If I've not got that right, I apologize. The reason I mention his name is he climbed this buttress, moonlight buttress, in 83 minutes, which is in and of itself pretty impressive and pretty amazing. But what makes it even more amazing is he did it free solo which means he did it by himself with no rope, no anchor. He just climbed it with his hands and his feet, and that's it. Taking it a step further, Alex also climbed El Capitan, which is the, the mount on the right side of the screen. It is 2,700 feet tall, give or take. So a little more than half of a mile tall. He, again, climbed that free solo. It took him about four hours of climbing purely by hand. And I mention all that to say, what would have happened if he had made a mistake? Obviously, his life would have ended. So you gotta be pretty good to do that. The second thing, though, I think about is he could be the best climber, and arguably is the best climber on the face of this planet, but stuff happens. What happens if a rock let loose and hit him? He could have prepared as well as he could have but without a rope, things that are out of his control could have killed him. If we were climbing, working our way through this life without that anchor holding us, without that rope holding us, we're destined for failure. Without that hope of heaven, without that hope that God provides to us through his resurrected son, we're climbing without a rope. So if we look back, at, um, back to kind of the lesson at hand, if we are anchored, it provides us that security, that safety. But it also prevents us from drifting away. If we'll turn over to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. For this reason, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For if the words spoken through angels prove unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received its just recompense, how shall we escape if we neglect so great of a salvation? So without that anchor we, and without that attention to that anchor and maintaining that anchor, we have the possibility of drifting just like the ship would. We have a the possibility of falling just like a climber would without that anchor. That hope and that the hope and faith that we have in God and in his resurrected son provides that anchor for the soul. It keeps us from spiritually drifting. It allows us to persist and remain faithful in the face of all the trials, all of the difficulties that I discussed earlier and mentioned earlier. 
We can look at multiple passages that talk about what this hope is. Vines describes it as a favorable and confident expectation. So it's not just a hope like a wish. Oftentimes we use that in our language, I hope something happens, which means I wish it happens. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about a confident belief. We're talking about a strong confidence, not placed in ourselves, but placed in God. And this isn't overconfidence in self. This isn't overconfidence saying, I know that I'm going to heaven, or I know heaven's waiting for me. No, it's a confidence in God that says, I know God can deliver me. I know that God raised Christ from the dead and he will raise me. That's the kind of hope that we're talking about. It's not a hope to receive something or a wish to receive something, but an expectation to receive something. We turn over to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 5. Begin in verse 4. Since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love which you have for all the saints, because of the hope laid up for you in heaven, of which you previously heard the word in the word of truth, the gospel. So the hope we're talking about, obviously, and I've already said, is heaven. But it's not a hope that we just kind of theoretically know. It's a hope that we're told about through his word. It's a hope that we can understand and have foundation for through studying his word and through understanding his word. It's a hope of heaven. It's a hope of resurrection. We should have that hope of heaven, that favorable, that confident expectation Even though we can't see heaven, even though we don't know what heaven's going to look like, we know it's there because he's told us it's there. We know it's there and we know that if we're faithful, he is is faithful to fulfill his promises. He's faithful to deliver us in the end. We should have that confidence and certainty in God. Faith and hope are very much interconnected. Um, Our faith and our hope should both serve as an anchor. Vines describes faith as a firm persuasion, a conviction based upon hearing. So very, very similar. We look to the definition found in Hebrews. It's a passage that all of us are very familiar with. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of of things not seen. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Again, very much interconnected because of what God has provided us through Christ, through his word, we should be firmly persuaded. We should be convicted that he's able to deliver us, that he's able to deliver us to heaven, that he's able to raise us from the dead. If we turn over to 1 Peter, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, 1 Peter 1 and actually let's let's back up to verse 20. 1 Peter 1, verse 20, For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead. Why are we, should we have faith? Why should we have hope? Because God raised Christ from the dead. Do we believe that happened? I, I did an invitation, I had an invitation a, a couple of months ago and talked about Christ's death and his burial and his resurrection. If we believe that happened, if we believe he died 
and the earth shook and, and it became dark and the veil was split in half and the dead were raised and then he was in the tomb for three days and then the tomb was found empty. If we believe that happened, that should give us hope. That should give, increase our faith. That should make us believe even more firmly that God is able to d- deliver what he's promised. So is our anchor set? Is it locked in? Are we able to weather the storms? Do we have full confidence and faith and hope in God? Are we able to, del- to weather those tribulations and those trials that I mentioned earlier? But also... Is our faith growing? Is it growing stronger? Is our hope growing stronger every day? If you'll turn with me to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, beginning in in verse 1 and reading the first five verses. Romans 5, verses 1 through 5. Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we exult in the hope of the glory of God. And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God, because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who, has, who was given to us. So through all of this, It all leads to hope, but it begins with tribulations, the difficulties that we might face in this life. Tribulations lead to perseverance, perseverance to proven character, proven character to hope. Again, you see these things building and strengthening as they go along, strengthening us. Are we becoming stronger? Is our hope, is our faith becoming stronger as we face these tribulations and these trials? Life can be difficult. Life can be challenging. Someone said, uh, life's a pain and then you die. <clears throat> There's probably some truth to that. And if, if all we have is this life, you know, we don't have hope. If we have hope of heaven, if we have hope and faith in God, then even though this life is a pain, we're looking forward to something far greater. And we can bear through this despair, through this difficulty. And I'm not trying to minimize what people endure. It is painful. The trials, the, tri- the tribulations, the loss of loved ones, our health that, that can grind on you day in and day out. It's not easy. It's not what I'm trying to say. But I think if we have our focus on eternity, if we have our focus on that hope, it makes it that much easier for us to bear through these difficulties. If we have our faith and our hope locked in, anchored, sure, chained with the hope of heaven, our hope through Christ and our faith in the Father, we can weather the storms. But I'd also like to turn to the, uh, the next passage. And actually, this is the passage that, that really started this lesson. Even though we've been studying Hebrews for the last little bit, um, this, uh, in studying a couple of years ago when I was teaching Second Timothy, I came across um, this verse and an explanation of it, an explanation of the Greek that really was interesting and ties into this idea of, of being anchored. But rather than being anchored from a faith standpoint and a hope standpoint, it's about 
lifting anchor or weighing anchor, as they say. Turn to, to 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 6. And this is Paul writing, many would say, is his last kind of chapters before um, he was martyred. But in, in chapter 4, verse 6, we read Paul writing, For I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I've fought the good fight. I've finished the course. I've kept the faith. In the future, there's, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have loved his appearing. So first of all, you see that hope. And Paul, and especially verse 8, that confidence that he has in the Lord to deliver him, the confidence he has in God to fulfill his promises. But what I'd like to look at for this, this section of the lesson is that middle part in verse, what, 6, 7, where it talks about departure. Time of my departure has come. That word, if you look at the Greek, is, can be used in two different forms. One is a nautical term, which speaks to loosening of a mooring or lifting an anchor in preparation for setting sail. The second is a military term, which is pointed at and looks at breaking camp, taking down the tents before you leave and, and uh, leave your encampment. And I think both are very appropriate. Obviously, for what we're talking about in, a, in an anchor standpoint, that idea of unloosening or preparing to depart. I found this, this um, write-up in Barnes' commentary, and I typically don't like putting quotes from non-biblical sources up on slides, but I thought the way it was written up was outstanding, and I couldn't do any better, and so I'm sharing it with you, what Barnes wrote around this passage. Speaking of Paul, he would now spread his sails on the broad ocean of eternity. The true idea of death is that of loosening the bands that continue, confine us to the present world, of setting us free and permitting the soul to go forth as with expanded sails on the eternal voyage. With such a view of death, why should a Christian fear to die? Think about how powerful that is and how powerful that image of what Paul is speaking to as he's approaching his death, he has that confidence. He's ready to lift anchor and set sail. Are we? You know, you can look at multiple places in the scriptures where Paul made similar references to his confidence and his belief if we turn back to Philippians chapter 1, Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 and 22, Paul writing to the church at Philippi, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. But if I am to live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which to choose, but I am hard pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, for that is very much better. Yet to remain on in the flesh is more necessary for your sake. He's desiring to depart even then. To die is gain. To be able to lift up anchor and set sail is far better than living here. Are we prepared for that? Are we ready to lift anchor? Do we view death as a far better place, a far better journey, not the end of the journey, but a beginning of a new journey. 
I think about 2 Corinthians also, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Oftentimes as we face difficulties in this life and trials in this life and pain in this life, you begin to wonder why? Why am I dealing with this? Why does God put me through this? And we have to realize as we read in 2 Corinthians that we should walk by faith, not by sight. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it's verses that we're all very familiar with, and I'm not going to read them in their entirety, but let's read verses 6 through 8. Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in this body, we are absent from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. As we face these difficulties, as we face these trials, do we walk by faith, not by sight? If we look at the world around us and the the difficulties that are going on and the wars and the pain and the suffering, it's easy to get discouraged. But if we're walking by faith and we're anchored to that hope, it makes it far easier for us to, to, to deal with what we're facing. Similarly, similar language earlier in that, ch- in that chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1, it talks about while we're in these earthly tents and longing to be in that permanent building that's built um, without hands. Again, tying back to what we've looked at in that passage in 2 Timothy. Are we ready to lift anchor? Are we ready to break camp? and head on to a better place. We have, to, we have to realize a couple of things before I think we can answer that question. And hopefully everybody has given some thought to that and contemplated that. But what we have to realize, going back to our passage in Hebrews, if we go back to Hebrews chapter 6 and verse 10, we have to realize that God is a just God. And that justice is a two-edged sword. Hebrews 6, verse 10, we read, For God is not unjust so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown towards his name in in having ministered and still ministering to the saints. God is a just God. He'll remember our good works. Even as we're facing difficulties, even when we think that that, um, it can't get any worse, he's going to remember us because he is a just God, but that justice works both ways. We look back at Hebrews chapter 6, verse 11, we read, and we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. We have to be diligent. We have to demonstrate that diligence. We have to be diligent from the beginning to the end. God is just and he will fulfill his promises. If we are diligent, if we pursue righteousness, if we try to pattern ourselves after Christ, he's, he's just and he will reward us for our effort. He will remember our effort. In worldly trials, trials in courtrooms, the judge isn't always just. And even if the judge is just, the judge doesn't know everything, finds out information in part, we see time and time again the guilty get let free. The innocent sometimes go to jail. Even when the judge is just, our judge, our day of judgment is going to be perfect. 
Our God is all-knowing, is all-powerful. He's going to remember all that we do and have done, both good and bad. This passage tells us he will remember the good, but we have to remember in order for him to be a just God, there's two sides to justice. It wouldn't be just if we stood before a judge in this world, in this life, and you had a criminal and he said, you just go free. Don't worry about it. It doesn't matter if you killed somebody. That's not justice. You have to be held accountable for your actions and for what you've done in this life. If we turn over to Romans chapter, chapter 2, got a couple of passages that speak to this point. Romans chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. But because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation on the righteous, revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To those who are those who by perseverance and doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfish, ambitious, and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation. In the day of judgment, there's going to be two, two paths. We can read in this verse 6, those who, who are perseverant, who are seeking to do good, and seeking glory and honor, immortality, and eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious, who don't obey, Wrath and indignation. You could also turn over to John, John chapter 12. John chapter 12, verse 48, Christ speaking. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I spoke is what will judge him in the last day. We'll be judged by the word. If we don't obey, if we reject Christ, that will be our path. That's the path that not, that's not the path that God wants for us, that Christ wants for us, but that's the path that we've chosen. And with that, we need to think about where our hope is based. We need to think about how diligent we've been or are going to be moving forward. We have to realize that in order for God to be just, there has to be remembrance and consequences for both good and bad. Consequences for disobedience and obedience. So how, how can be, we be ready to weigh anchor if, if, we, if we are still in question around our obedience? How can, be we be, how can we be ready to weigh anchor if we haven't been fruitful? How can we be ready to weigh anchor if we haven't looked to the word and understood what we need to do? The last passage that we'll look at related to justice and related to where we're placing our trust and where we're placing our confidence and how we are being diligent or not is back in Hebrews Hebrews chapter 10, Hebrews chapter 10, verses 30 and 31. <clears throat> it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But remember the former days when after being enlightened, you endured great conflict and suffering, 
partly by being made public spectacles through reproach and tribulations and partly by becoming sharers in, with those who were so treated. Again, it's a, it's a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Verse 30, backing up a verse, vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. There will be a judgment. So you have to ask yourself, are you ready to weigh anger? Is your hope where it needs to be? Is your faith where it needs to be? If you've fallen away, if you've not been faithful, you've lost that hope. You've lost that anger. As described earlier in Hebrews chapter 6, you've fallen back into the world. You have no hope. If you have fallen, there's surety that God will judge you, but there's still time. There's still time to make correction. So I would encourage you to have that repentant heart. Have you been baptized? Have you become a child of his? If you have not, there is no hope. You go back to the, the, some of the original pictures. If you've not been baptized, you're free climbing on El Capitan with no rope. That's, that's what you're going through right now. I'm not a good climber. I, if I had to do that, I know I would lose my life. If you're trying to do, if you're trying to go through life without that anchor, you have no hope. You look at that guy who climbed half-mile high cliff, and you think, well, he's a couple of sandwiches short of a picnic. If you're going through life without God, you don't have hope. You need to really ask yourself. Mark 16, 16 tells us the one who has believed and is baptized will be saved, but the one who's not believed will be condemned. That's where you're going. That's the path that you're going down. Without belief, without baptism, there's condemnation. And as we've had up here before, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Fear God, and through that godly fear, obey and become a child of his. Through that obedience, through baptism, you'll gain that assurance. You'll gain that hope. You'll gain that anchor that will allow you to to weather the storms of life. If you're subject to the invitation, please come forward while we stand and sing.